Hi there. Yes, you have come to the right place. This is the new birth group. This group is committed to the growth of those that have been rebirthed in Christ. The vision of this group is to bring to light the possibilities of the new creation in Christ via the teaching of God's word and giving expression to God's spirit in prayer and the likes, equipping each member for the work of ministry that we may walk worthy of the Lord in all things. As you listen, may the truth illuminate your heart. For as we go into your word, we pray that your word does what your word, your, your word does in us what your word does. And Father, oh, tonight we declare that, yes, as we study your word, as we go into your word, Jesus is glorified and we are edified. In Jesus' name, and the church says, amen. Amen. All right. Glory to God. Welcome again, everyone. Welcome again, everyone. And um, tonight we're going to be going through a lot. We're going to be going through a lot. So, uh, <laughs> um, all right. So basically, uh, one thing the Lord told me about this group is that this group will, aside from um, the many other things, one thing that the Lord said concerning this group is that this group, um, every member in this group uh, will be able to work worthy of the Lord in all things, will be equipped to work worthy of the Lord in all things. Hallelujah. To work worthy of the Lord in all things. You see, so that's the, that's one of the things that the Lord is going to do through this group to equip you for ministry, right? And to work worthy of the Lord in all things. Glory to God. So tonight, I want to go straight to the point, straight into the teaching. Tonight, we'll be talking about a very important topic. And I, I titled it, Saved to Work. I titled it, Saved to Work, Work. And which is basically going to be talking about living out your nature in Christ. Saved to work, that is, living out your nature in Christ. Living out your nature. Previously, we've learned about salvation. We've learned about salvation. And we've learned that salvation is not just, it's not behavioral modification, right? It's about dead men coming to life. You see, and it's important that we understand this. We understand that salvation, that is righteousness by faith, is by grace alone. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And tonight, we're going to be going in, we're going to be going deeper. We're going to be going deeper. Hallelujah. We're going to open a, you know, quite a bit of scriptures tonight. <laughs> quite a bit of scriptures tonight because we are, we're doing Bible study. We're doing Bible study. And we're going to go deeper on, deeper in what salvation is. Hallelujah. So let's open to Isaiah 64 from verse 6 to 7. Isaiah 64 from verse 6 to 7. And it says, we are all infected and in, impure with sin. When we display our righteous, righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall. And our sins sweep us away like the wind. It says, yet no one calls on your name or pleads with you for mercy. Therefore, you have turned away from us and turned us over to our sins. Now, what does this mean? 
Um, to break this down, filthy rags. The word filthy rags literally means something that's sold with menstrual flow or menstrual flux. Filthy rags means something that's sold um, with a cloth sold with menstrual flow. I, I would have said don't imagine it, but <laughs> anyways. Sold with menstrual flow uh, because <laughs> in, the, in the Old Testament, you know, when a woman... Uh, a woman who, is, who was on a period was basically considered unclean. Was basically considered unclean, um, unclean, weak, and all of that because of the menstrual flow. Hallelujah. So in this context, there was no way to actually, there was no better way to illustrate how filthy. There was no better way to illustrate how filthy the works of most righteous men, of the most righteous men, do we get that? Yes, yes, yes. All right. All right. Thank you. So now, Isaiah 64 simply completely nullifies the idea that righteousness is, your righteousness is worth something. Isaiah 64 simply nullifies the idea that your own righteousness is worth something. Hallelujah. Because it says, our righteousness is as filthy rags. It's worth nothing. Glory to God. You see, because righteousness before God is by faith in what God calls righteous. Righteousness before God is by faith in what God calls righteous. Glory to God. Now let's read from Romans 3 from verse 21 to 26. Romans 3 from verse 21 to 26. And we're basically going to do a little, a little bit of exegesis, that is like breaking down of scriptural texts. We're going to just break down, but basically going to do like a commentary on Romans 3 from verse 21 to 26. And it says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Man, there are so many things to note here, but let me keep on reading. Um, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God sent forth as propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his, forbe in his forbearance, God passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, this seems like a whole lot of stuff that's been said all at once. But fear not, we're going to break it down and we're going to understand it in a very, very simple manner. Hallelujah. Now, the first thing that we'll be taking note of now, this is, I'm, I'm basically teaching us how to study the Bible. So, this is, this is how to study the Bible, pay attention to details, right? To pay attention to details. But so we're going to be taking out something here. Um, we're going to be taking notice, not taking out. We're going to be taking notice of something here. It says, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. What does that mean? When you see something like that, you're like, okay, what, what does that mean? Right? And we're going to break it down. We're going to break down being witnessed by the, by the law and the prophets. Now, when it says by the law, 
when it says by the law, it's talking particularly of the five books of Moses. Who can name the five books of Moses here? Anyone? Let me test your... Anyone? If you can't name it, it's fine. <laughs> Nobody? Going? Going? Gone. Okay, everybody's in their face. All right. So he's referring to the five books of Moses, or often referred to as the Torah, when in scroll format, right? And that is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So those are the five books of Moses. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And I would, have broke, I would have given like summary of what each book talks about, but that is another, that is another, that's a topic for another day. That's a discussion for another day. So it says, being witnessed by the law. So we've understood what he's talking about. It says by the law, he's talking particularly about the five books of Moses. And it says, and the prophets. The prophet is referring to uh, prophets like Isaiah, prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Habakkuk. I used to struggle with pronouncing that name before. Uh, Habakkuk. Anyways, Habakkuk, Ezekiel, and the rest. Right? There's, there's so much more. So, what he's saying, hallelujah, what he's saying is that the books of Moses and the prophets of old even testify that righteousness before God is apart from the law. That is, is apart from the works of the law. Glory to God. Now let's look at some scriptural examples. Some scriptural, scriptural examples. Um, so we said, um, by the law, it's talking about the five books of Moses, right? So we're going to look at one of those books and that's Genesis. So it says that, the law and the prophets testify that righteousness before God is by faith. So we're going to be seeing texts that actually bear witness to that fact. Glory to God. So, first one is Genesis 15. Genesis 15 from verse 5 to 6. Genesis 15 from verse 5 to 6. And it says, then he brought him outside and said, you know what? Um, let somebody read that. Genesis 15 from verse 5 to 6. Pastor Spring, God's first. This is how we can't read that when you open their Bible. <laughs> so I'm reading KJV, right? All right. Ah, we're deep. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abraham believed God and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abraham. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you so much. See, so we see here, it says that, um, and he believed God and he accounted it, that is God accounted it to Abraham or Abraham at that time for righteousness. Glory to God. So we see here that Abraham was made righteous before God by simply what? By believing. By believing. Hallelujah. By simply believing. And listen, when we talk about the law, it says that it's basically the Ten Commandments as we know it. Right? And the Ten Commandments as we know it um, was not given at this time. 
The Ten Commandments was not given at this time. Glory to God. So, um, 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 and also another fact was that Abraham at this time was not yet circum circumcised. And we'll come back to this. We'll come back to see why this is so important. Why this is so important. So we've seen from Genesis 15 from verse 5 to 6. Um, I don't want to read other books um, because of time. So we've seen from one of the books of Moses that righteousness is by faith. Righteousness is by faith. Righteousness before God is by faith. Hallelujah. And again in Genesis 22 from verse 18. Genesis 22 from verse 18. It says, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Hallelujah. So he said, in your seed. So it was when he said in your seed, it was it was it was a it was particular, right? So it was a particular seed. If it was different seeds, you would have said in your seeds. So that seed was one person being talked about. Hallelujah. So it was one person that was being referred to. I just want to bring that to light. So um and this same verse, Genesis 22 from verse 18, was referenced in Galatians 3 from verse 6 to 9. Galatians 3 from verse 6 to 9. Now, this is how to study your Bible, like I said, is to look at things in context and to corroborate um, one verse with each other, with another. But this is not a teaching on how to study your Bible, and we'll still get into that. But um, Galatians 3 from verse 6 to 9 says, Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So you see that again. It says, therefore, that, uh, it says, therefore know that only those who are of faith, oh yeah, only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Oh yeah, yeah. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, in you, all the nations shall be blessed. It says, so then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Glory to God. So what did Abraham believe? What did Abraham believe? believe? He believed in the promise of God. Abraham believed in the promise of God, and the Bible says that that was accounted to him for righteousness. So, in fact, the blessing of Abraham, as we might have heard it, you know, when we're younger, Abraham's blessings are mine. I am blessed no more. I'm blessing Abraham's blessings are mine. And when we sing that, we've thought it to be material blessings. But the blessing of Abraham is not material. It is salvation through faith. Because what Abraham believed was the promise of God that indeed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. In that seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That's what Abraham believed. And that promise was talking about Jesus, but this is not the teaching for that. Hallelujah. So, the blood of Abraham is not material. It's salvation through faith. So, 
we've addressed the first part, the book of Moses, right? We've looked at Genesis. Okay, so let's look at the prophets. Let's look at the prophets. Glory to God. So in Isaiah 42 uh, from verse 21, Isaiah 42 from verse 21, and it says, the Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will exalt the law and make it honorable. Glory to God. So the background of the story, God's people are backward. They are blind, they are disobedient, ungrateful. I might look at them and be like, these people, you might have read about the, the children uh, of Israel, of how they were so adamant, they were so ungrateful and all of that. And you might look at them and be like, these people are mental, right? But the point is that some of us are like this. Some of us are like this, but anyways. So, like I said, background of the story, God's people are backward, blind, disobedient, ungrateful, and the likes, but God delighted in them. He chose them above all the people of the earth, and he distinguished them by his grace. And he did this not because of anything that they did or they could do. In fact, they did not deserve it. But for the sake of God's own righteousness or God's own faithfulness to his promise made to the fathers, that is, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. He was faithful to them because of his own righteousness. You see, so it says that the Lord is well pleased for his righteousness seek. Hallelujah. So that's one. And Habakkuk 21, uh, uh, Habakkuk 2 from verse 1 to 4. We might have read this, uh, might have read this before. He says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me. And what I will answer when I am corrected. And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on, 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 on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And this was what he was talking about. He says, behold the proud, behold the proud. His soul is not, is not upright in him, but, he, but the just shall live by his faith. But the just shall live by faith or by his faith. So this is another indication that justification, righteousness is by faith. Glory to God. And there are many other verses, but um, there will come a time where we will sit and study this thing in a broad manner. You know, it's something that I, I'm, I'm, I'm working on. On a day where we just sit down and study the Bible for five hours, but we'll get there. Anyways, so where was I? So, yeah. So from this, we see that righteousness before God has always been by faith. Righteousness before God has always been by faith. Now back to Romans 3 from verse 21 to 26. Back to Romans 3 from verse 21 to 26. Now, you know, I said we're doing a 
break down one or um, exegesis on, on, on these verses, right? So um, we singled out, we singled out uh, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Being singled, uh, being <laughs> witnessed by the law and the prophets. So we singled that out. And now we're going to single out this part. It says, uh, but now the, righteous, the righteousness of God is apart from the, apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference for all have seen a fall short of the glory of God being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And what we're going to be singling out is this, whom God sent forth as propitiation by his blood. That's what we're going to be singling out. Whom God sent forth as propitiation, as a propitiation by his blood. Glory to God. Now, the word propitiation in the Greek, the word propitiation in the Greek is the word hilasterion. 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 H I L A. S-E-R-I-O-N. Don't to worry about that. And it relates to a, a, a derivative or a child of the Greek word, of the Greek word, um, hilaskomai. Hilaskomai. And hilaskomai basically means atoned for. Hilaskomai basically means atoned for. And now uh, there's a reason I'm doing this. There's a reason I'm doing this. So it means to atone for. So God sent Jesus God sent Jesus Christ as an atonement, as a sacrifice for the sins of man by his blood. And you may be here and you may, you may have asked this question before, like why, why blood? Like why did, why did Jesus have to shed his blood? Like why did blood have to be shed? This is your answer. Because life, the life of the flesh is in the blood. The life of the flesh is in the blood. And that's taken from Leviticus 17 from verse 11. It's taken from Leviticus 17 from verse 11. And it says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your soul. You see this? For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. It is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Because it says the life of the flesh is in the blood. So for Jesus to give his life, he had to shed blood. Do you see that? He had to shed blood. For atonement to be made, blood had to be shed. Glory to God, because life is in the blood. Hallelujah. You see, and so in the Old Testament, they used to offer bulls and goats for the atonement of sin, but God did not delight in it. God did not delight in it. And I'll just quickly read Hebrews from verse 10. From verse uh, what am I saying? Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 from verse 1 to 10. And it says, it's quite a long read, <clears throat> but it's very important. Just for the law, for the law, having a shadow of the good things to come. When it says for the law here, it's talking about the books of Moses. It's talking about the books of Moses. So for the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never make with these same sacrifices 
which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For them, uh, for, for them would they have not ceased to be offered? But the worshippers once purified would have no more consciousness of sins. But in those sacrifices, there's a reminder of sins every year. So in those yearly sacrifices, there was a reminder of sins. There was a reminder of sins. And it says, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats, it is not for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and for the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Because think about it. Think about it. If we are going to, it would have made sense if it was all animals that sinned. But the Bible says all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So that's why God had to come in the flesh, in the person of Jesus, because all, it says all men, all men, all men are sinned, all men are condemned. The righteousness of man is as filthy rags. So a new man had to come, a man that was without sin. And that was the person of Jesus throughout his ministry on earth. Not one sin did he commit. He was that perfect lamb, born of a virgin. Born of a virgin, and that's so important. That's so important. Oh, Lord, should I talk, should I talk about this? <laughs> we'll, we'll, talk, we'll, we'll come back to it. <laughs> we'll come back to it. So, born of a virgin. So, he was that perfect lamb. Hallelujah. So, that's why it says it is logically inconsistent for the, for, for, for the blood of bulls and goats. But the reason why this was done is that God wanted to show in shadows, in types and shadows, the good things to come, the better things to come. In fact, let me keep reading. It says, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. Therefore, uh, yeah, when he came into the world, that is Jesus, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you are prepared for me. Ah. In burnt offerings and sacrifice, sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. You had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, previously saying sacrifice and offering burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire nor had nor had pleasure in them which are offered according to the law then he said behold i have come to do your will O god this is talking about jesus he takes away the first that he may establish the second by that we will have will have been sanctified through the off offering of the body of jesus christ jesus christ once and for all you see, so God did not desire for us to have that consciousness of sin because he says that as they offer that yearly sacrifice for sin, it, it, it created in them or it, it caused in them a, a, a consciousness for sin. And God did not want that. And that's why he did not delight in, in, in those sacrifices, but he wanted to show what was to come. God is very deep. And that's why we're going deep in this because in order for, like this is so important because you see that God's love runs deep. His, his love runs deep. His plan for you runs deep. The plan in salvation runs deep. So it wasn't just a, a, 
ah, oh my God, okay. So men, last year, they, they fell my hand though. You know what? Ah, I didn't, I didn't buy four, but you know what? Jesus, go and buy four. Bring it. Let's run the gen. You know, no, <laughs> no, this wasn't plan B. This was, this was something that God had planned before time. And I've explained this before, but there will come another time where I'll, where I'll explain it again. And even in a, in a deeper context, right? Praise God. Are we following, please? Are we, are we learning something? Yes, yes, I'm learning. All right, awesome. Glory to God. Glory to God. So it says that, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. Ah, yeah. He says, by that, by that, we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was once and for all time. For all time, for all people. Hallelujah. So, reading on. Um, okay. All right. So, we've... We've, we've gotten a grasp of, you know, that phrase, whom God sent for a propitiation, uh, whom God sent forth as propitiation by his blood. So we'll go and single out something else again, right? So still on Romans 3 from verse 21 to 26. So it says, whom God sent forth as propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, God had, passed over the sins that were previously committed ah, yeah, yeah, to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness. So what we're going to be singling out, what we're going to be singling out is in his forbearance, God has passed over the sins that were previously committed. That's what we'll be singling out. Remember, this is how to study your Bible, right? And you might be asking, um, I'm sure at this point you won't be asking, but in case you're asking, okay, why are we reading all this? This is so important for you to understand that at its core, salvation is by faith. Righteousness before God is by faith. So that's what, that's the whole point of what we're doing. Glory to God. So um, it says in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. So we're going to single out from that part. It says, over, we're going to single out over sins that were previously committed. Over sins that were previously committed. And this is not just the sin of a man's life or sins of a man's life, but he's also talking about the, uh, 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 the Old Testament saints. Those who lived before the incarnation of Jesus Christ, but those that had faith in the promise. So. Maybe you're here and you're asking, okay, so how did those people um, in the Old Testament get saved? Now, this is how. This is how. The sacrifice of Jesus is so powerful. It's so ancient. Ah, that the sins of the, of the saints of the old was paid for. Hallelujah. It says, in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. So he's talking about also the Old Testament saints who lived before the incarnation of Christ, but had faith in the promise. You see, and what is that promise again? In thy seed. Shall all what? In thy seed, all the nations of the earth be blessed. 
That's the promise. So anyone who believed in that promise, they are covered. Hallelujah. Isn't that powerful? So, the blood that Jesus Christ shed was for the sins of your past, your present, and future. Now, like I said, it's so powerful that it covers the saint of the old as well. Glory to God. So, there is actually more to say about this, but I think this will be enough for now. This will be enough for now. And again, we're going to be singling out another sentence. We're going to be singling out, singling out another sentence from Romans 3, from verse 21 to 26. We're going to be singling out that he might be, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Ah, I need to speed up now. Time is running. Uh, as my pastor will say, time flies when you're having fun. All right, so, um, so it says that he might be just, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So God is just for justifying you who believes. And why is that so? And why is that so? Well, because a price has already been paid. A price has already been paid. You see, so God will be unjust if you are not justified. Did we get that? God will be unjust if we were not justified. Hallelujah. So, for example, somebody in class, maybe, you know, all those, all those class captains, maybe if you were one of them, God will help you. Um, <laughs> that you'll tell them by mistake, just give them small power, write names of noisemaker, and they just take it and they write names and they. This write my name. I was a very quiet guy, but I was just unfortunate. Well, anyways, so <laughs> write my name. And then I'll blah, 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 sorry, no bit. And then I would be unfortunate again. You're not right times two. What sort of wickedness? Now, God, God is no man, no. Hey, God. <laughs> But yeah, so, and now I have that point. I, I, so I basically have to serve some type of punishment, right? And ah, then there's this master that I used to have. That guy was brutal. That man was brutal. I got to the point where I used to wear two, two trousers. <laughs> so that <laughs> when they flog me, I won't feel it too much because that guy. That guy was dangerous. His hand was from hell. <laughs> so, so imagine someone that comes and says, okay, don't worry, Clay, just sit down. I'll take the punishment for you. Takes it, they flog him and all that. But if that mass teacher still calls me and still flogs me, still punishes me, that teacher has been unjust. That teacher has been unfair because somebody has already taken the punishment for me. If you get that, so somebody has already taken the punishment for me, so it will be unfair. So that's what this means. That's what this means. When it says that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So God is just for justifying you who believes. Hallelujah, because a price has been paid for you. Glory to God. So now we can boldly say, we can boldly say, I am justified of God through Jesus. 
because the demands of justice, the demands for justice has been met. I want you to just say that right now to yourself. I am justified of God. I am justified of God. Through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. Through Christ Jesus. Because the, because the demands for justice has been met. Because the demands for justice has been met. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. So, um, like I said, laying this, laying, laying this foundation is very important. So that you see that salvation is of the Lord and not of works. Salvation is of the Lord and not of works. Hallelujah. And um, I said I'll come back to something. And, and that was when we're talking about when I mentioned circumcision. And I mentioned how that Abraham um, believed in God. And it was accredited to him or it was accounted to him for righteousness. Right. So, and this happened before the Ten Commandments and before Abraham was circumcised. Right. And we're going to actually understand what that really means. So, let's open to Romans 4. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 from verse 1 to 14. You can also put verse 16 to 17 as well. Romans 1 from verse, Romans 4, sorry, from verse 1 to 14. It says, um, what then shall we say that Abraham our father has found, what then shall we say that Abraham our father has found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. It says, if Abraham was justified by works, you have something to boast about, but not before God. It's before men. You see, it says, for what does the scripture say? It says, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his, his faith is accounted for righteousness. And this is the case of Abraham. This was the case of Abraham. Hallelujah. And then he says, what was that? He says, uh, his faith is accounted, to him, account, his faith is accounted uh, for righteousness, just as David also described the blessedness of the man of whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. He says, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven. And whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom God or the Lord shall not impute sin. Ah. Ah, yeah, yeah. We are that blessed. We are that blessed people. We are that blessed people. Hallelujah. So it goes on to say, does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only? Or upon the uncircumcised also. So the circumcised and the uncircumcised were basically referring to the Jews and the Gentiles. Basically, the Jews being those that were chosen by God, that through them, this the promise will be birthed. That is Jesus. Hallelujah. Through Israel. You see, so the 
circumcised was talking about um, um, the Jews, basically, right? And the uncircumcised were talking about, that is, those that were circumcised were those that the law was given to. That is, the Ten Commandments were given to, right? And the uncircumcised were those that, you know, were without that law. The law wasn't given to them. Glory to God. That is, the Gentiles, those that were not considered God's chosen uh, uh, race. Or oh, let, me, let me say race. Let me say God's chosen vessel. Yes, God's chosen vessel for which the promise will be birthed. Did we get that? Did that confuse anybody? Hope I didn't. Did we get that? I did. I got it. All right. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Thank you. So, um, it says, uh, okay, where are we? All right. So, does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or the uncircumcised also? It says, for we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was he accounted? Was it while he was circumcised or uncircumcised? He says, not while he was circumcised, but while uncircumcised. You see, so let me go on reading. It says, and he received a sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all, of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. And the father of circumcision to those who are not, uh, and the father of circumcision to those who are not only of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of faith, which our father Abraham had while he was still uncircumcised. Basically, this is so powerful. This is so powerful because he's saying Abraham was counted righteous before God by faith. And it was while he was uncircumcised. And that was very important. That was very key. Because if it was while he was circumcised, the people have this, the people of the circumcision have a boast that, oh, it's only us. Right? But it was intentional. It was intentional that it was while he was uncircumcised. That after he was counted righteous before God by faith. He was then circumcised by the flesh. So there's, there's a ritual of some sort that they used to perform at. Don't go into it, it's, it's disgusting. Um, so uh, <laughs> there's a ritual that they used to perform, right? They would circumcise themselves, right? But Abraham did that. And that circumcision was a sign that, oh, um, we are God's people. We are God's people. So that circumcision of the flesh was a sign that we are God's people. Glory to God. But Abraham was counted righteous by faith before God while he was uncircumcised. So now the promise of Abraham is now made available for those that are circumcised and those that are not circumcised. That's basically what this is talking about. Do we get that? Did we get that? Hallelujah. Yes, yes. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So 
uh, where did we stop? It says, though they are uncircumcised, that the righteousness might be imputed unto them also. You see that? And the father of circumcision to those who are not only of the circumcision, but who walk in the steps of faith, which our father Abraham still had while still um, uncircumcised. But the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or, but the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. You see, so it was not just through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Do you see that? You see, so for if those, in answers, for those, for if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made uh, void and the promise made of no effect. You see that? So it says, therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. So if he was, if he was counted righteous before God while he was circumcised, he would not be by grace. He will be of works. So that is why it was very significant that it was when he was uncircumcised according to the flesh. He says, therefore, of faith that it may be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seeds. You see that? Not only those who are of the, of the law as the Jews, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of him, who, whom he believed, that is God, who gives life to the dead and calls, do, calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So did we understand that whole, you know, story so beautiful? It's so beautiful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'll speed on. I'll speed on. So that's basically uh, um, um, what that basically shows that righteousness is by faith. Again, we see righteousness is by faith. Righteousness is by faith. And in fact, concerning the circumcision, circumcision matter in Philippians 3 from verse 3, it says, For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. So we have no confidence in the circumcision of the flesh. So this is talking about referring to also those, referring to the Jews also, those that were circumcised according to the flesh. He's saying that true circumcision is of the spirit. Do we see that true circumcision is of the spirit? Glory to God. And circumcision is basically an expression of consecration. Mm. 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 Bars. Circumcision is <laughs> an expression of consecration. So, having gone through scripture, we see that salvation is by grace alone. Righteousness before God has always been by faith has always been by faith. You see, but there are still some people today. You know, I go out on evangelism and I'm and I I'm opportune to meet some people and discuss with some people um, and ask them, okay, if you, we get to the point where we, I ask, okay, so if you go to, if you die now, where would you go? They say, well, um, I'll go to heaven. I'm like, okay, why? And they say, well, well, because, I, I mean, I just do good and all of that. 
in my mind, I'm like, okay, so what if, as before trailer, that trailer jam you, you they work out for road. Somebody splash out on you and you just give them the five fingers of God. <laughs> what then would happen? You give them the five fingers of God, the Lord bless you. <laughs> what then would you say? So then, then as Joel Lord hit you like that, all your good works, all your charitable works, which is good, are gone and are going to hell. How wicked would God be? We'll basically be asking the disciples, we'll, we'll, be, we'll, we'll basically be asking, the, like, you know, the question the disciples asked Jesus that who then shall be saved? <laughs> if it was by that, who then shall be saved? Because we'll all be walking on eggshells. Nobody wants to be caught on fresh. Hallelujah. So, you know, they still have, people still have this notion how to do good and all of that. And um, some, there are even some people, ah, these ones are, are considered the worst. They say, hey, well, salvation is by grace, hey, but you still need to do this and that to secure your place in the grace. And I'm like, how does that apply, sir? Because you are saying, yeah, salvation is by grace, but you must secure your place. Then what? Then, there's not, then it's not a gift. Salvation is by grace, purely by grace, through faith. Hallelujah. You see, and there are this sect of people that say, well, if you preach the grace message too much, you know, it will cause people to sin and all of that. And that's not true. It's not true. The Bible says that, the Bible says that it is the goodness of God that brings, that calls men into repentance. It's the goodness of God calls men into repentance. It is the goodness of God. Salvation is the goodness of God. It's good news. It's the goodness of God. Hallelujah. So there's no but in salvation. Hallelujah. And while I guess what they are trying to say, salvation is still by grace. The grace of God is not a license to sin. Because in fact, before grace in Christ Jesus, people were committing grave sins. I mean, ha! There were a sect of people that used to worship a God, that worship a God called Molech. Molech was, was a deity, right? And part of their worship was that they would offer their children. They would offer their children. And basically, uh, uh, Molech was basically like a, a, a statue, right? And in his hand was, in his hand was um, a, a bowl, or rather his hand was always heated. It can melt anything. It can melt anything. So what they used to do is they will offer their newborn babies and they will place the child on the hand of that, of that statue. And they would beat drums. They would beat 
drum so loud that people will not hear the cries of these children. So that shows that they knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. So you can't say that great is a license to sin because people were committing grave sins before grace came through Jesus. So Paul gives an answer to this objection in Romans 6 as we begin to round up. In Romans 6, he says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? I'm reading from the NLT. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? He says, of course not. He says, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we were joined in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And our baptism is something I'll still teach about, teach on, right? But he's still further explained in this, in, this, in this chapter. It says, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. So now this is a picture of baptism. Water baptism, in summary, right? Water baptism is not a prerequisite to be saved, right? Water baptism was a shadow of what Jesus was going to do. So as Jesus was dipped, because you ask, okay, why was Jesus baptized? If Jesus was the, was the perfect lamb, why was he baptized? Jesus said to fulfill all righteousness. The righteousness being talked about there was salvation. Hallelujah. I would explain that much, much later, right? And so as Jesus was dipped into the water, that signified his death. And, and, and as he was raised up, that signified, that, as he was dipped into water, that signified his death and burial. And as he was raised up, that signified his resurrection. And then the spirit of the Lord descended on him. Glory to God. So that is what baptism was basically telling the story of what happens when you are saved. So, reading on, it says, since we have been united with him in his death, we also we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ. So we're able to take partake of what Jesus did in baptism. In baptism. It says, we know that our old sinful natures, our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. So as Jesus was crucified to that cross, because Jesus came as a substitute for man. So he was the representative of mankind on that cross. He took on all the sins of mankind. So as he was crucified on that cross, the old man, the man of sin was being crucified. And we can partake in this thing. We can partake in it in baptism. And it's the baptism of the spirit. Hallelujah. Not of water, but of the spirit. Like I said, I will explain that much later. Anyways, so uh, <laughs> uh, let's just understand that a bit for now. 
for now. All right. So it says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ that so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when, he, when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. <laughs> Glory to God. So we see why it was important that Jesus rose. Not only did he rise, because listen, there were people that were raised up from the dead. In fact, Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. But what makes Jesus special is that not only did he rise from the dead, he never died again. Those other people that were raised from the dead still eventually died. But Jesus was raised from the dead never to die again till today. It's historically proven that the corpses, the bones of Jesus cannot be found. Hallelujah. There are former atheists that were trying to disprove the resurrection of Christ. But they found the, they found the evidence of the resurrection so compelling that they, that they became Christians. Hallelujah. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, never to die again, then uh, there's no way that we are saved. Because that's what he says here. It says, we are sure of this. We are sure that we will, we will also live with him because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death, has no, has, death no longer has any power over him. And because we partake in what he has done, death no longer has any power over us. Glory to God. So it says when he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. He now says, so you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. He says, do not let sin control the way you live. So before we get into the, the, the vital part, so it first talks about a legal reality, then a vital reality. So it says that, why would you go on sinning? It didn't say that, oh, um, um, ah, but, I'll, but I'll stop seeing you know, because after after so and so time, Momo, pray don't finish, oh, you have run out. Yeah, sorry, you have, grace has finished for you. No vex. No, he said, of course not. The logic of not continuing in sin is that you are dead to sin. You cannot continue in something you are dead to. So it says, don't let sin, this is the vital part. So it's talked about the legal reality that it is, it is a legal fact, reality that we are dead to sin in Christ Jesus. And now says, this is what it should, this is what that means, right? So this is how, this applies to you. It says, so do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have, life. You have new life. Hallelujah. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right 
for the glory of God. He says, sin is no longer your master. That is why we will not go on sinning. Because it is the grace of God. Ah, I'm not getting out of myself. So, he says, uh, so use your, whole, use your whole body as an instrument to, he says, sin no longer, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. He says, well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can go on sinning? He said, of course not. So, ah, imagine, you know, this, the fact that people are asking this reveals a deep motive. <laughs> it reveals a deep motive. Sorry, I'm trying to, give me a second. So it reveals a deep motive. Glory to God. It says, how can you go on sinning? Don't you realize, reading on, it says, of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. It says, thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey the, this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin. Ah, yeah. And you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using this, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves of righteous living so that you will become holy. Hallelujah. It says, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do um, right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But anyways, it now goes on to say, the wages of sin is death. And people usually stop in that part. The wages of sin is death. Repent, 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 repent. The wages of sin is death, repent. But the next part, it says the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So, in fact, Paul did not say, don't go and keep sinning, if not, no more grace. No, his reason, like I said, was you are dead to sin. Why live any longer in it? So, in fact, people that see grace as weakness don't really know what grace is. And people that see grace as a weakness are proud. They are proud because they trust in their own ability. They trust in their own righteousness. As the people of the Pharisees and Sadducees, Jesus called them vipers. <laughs> Anyways, they really didn't have any vector. Anyways, um, <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, like I said grace is not people that see grace as weakness don't really understand what grace is because we actually need grace to be right before God without grace we are doomed that's what the Bible has been saying from the start we are condemned already 
because of sin. Without the grace of God, we can never be made right before God. So if you are saying, yes, you are saved by grace, but that means that you are saying that the sacrifice of Jesus is of no effect. If you are saying, oh, yeah, we are saved, but we still need to do this to enter the grace. You are saying that the grace of God through Christ Jesus is of no, no effect. And that's a great sin. It's of no effect. That's what you are saying. Because you are saying, Jesus plus my works. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Glory to God. So, the grace of God in Jesus is what makes us to live a life that is actually pleasing to God. So grace is not an enabler of sin. It's an enabler of righteousness. Grace is not an enabler of sin, but of righteousness. Glory to God. And I'll look at what Ephesians 2, from verse 8 to 10 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God, none of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So you see, he says that you've been saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves. Then he now says that, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto for good works. So outside Christ Jesus, we cannot please God. We cannot, we cannot, we cannot be righteous because righteousness is is first the nature, is first a status before an action. So, the reason why righteousness can never be attained by your works, because God is first righteous by nature. And then he produces righteous acts. So you cannot now say with your big head that eh, I will do this and do that and do that. And God, uh, you see, I've done this thing all. You, you yourself know that I don't try. You know, you know the story. You know that I've tried. Mm-mm. So if God is first righteous by nature, you have to be first righteous by nature. You have to be first holy by nature, not of works. And now there's a verse that people have so misunderstood. They use it to say that, ah, you know, you know, you need to work out your salvation, you know. And they always say this with all with this solemn, you know, you need to work out your salvation with, with fear and trembling, you know, you need to tremble. Marabosh, you need to tremble. <laughs> Uh, Philippians 2 from verse 12 to 13. Philippians 2 from verse 12 to 13. Oh, time has gone, oh Jesus. Philippians 2 from verse 12 to 13. Almost done. So it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence, not as in my presence only, only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God 
who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So they usually stop at, oh, walk out of salvation with fear and trembling. But they forget that the work, in verse, the work being talked about is God that actually does the work. He says, walk out your salvation. He didn't even say walk for your salvation. Say walk out. So he's telling us something that we can do because salvation is something that we already have. So we can walk out our salvation, not work for, work out. Hallelujah. And it says, for it is God that works in you, both to will and to do. So people say, I will, and God does. But no, it is God that will, that wills it in me. It's God that wills it in me and causes me also to do. And this is what the prophet Ezekiel said in Ezekiel 36, 26. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. He says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues. And you will keep my judgments and do them. Ah, yeah. So you see that this is how God works in us. He says, by his spirit, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues. Ah, yeah, yeah. Ah, yeah. And how do we get his spirit? By grace. You receive the spirit of God by grace, by believing in Jesus. The Bible says that once we trusted in Christ, that the spirit of God has been sealed. The Holy Spirit is that seal, that seal of assurance that when Jesus comes, he's coming for us. He's coming for us. But that's another discussion, right? And so we see here, we see here, says, I'll put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my statues. Hallelujah. So seeing all this, you may be asking, why do I still struggle with some bad habits and temptations? Like, why? How, how can I live above sin? How can I live above sin? I will address that. How can I live above sin? How can I live above sin? And actually, this is the main cocoa, but... It's very important to have that foundation to see that, to see how deep the grace of God is. And this is just a tip. This is just a tip. So how do I live above sin? Number one, number one, grow in the knowledge of who you are. And that's what we're doing. Grow in the knowledge of who you are. You see, and what we're doing is what Paul did. You see, when he found out that there was a guy in, in the church at Corinth, Omar, those people, I give them hands. You see, they were coming, the church, the people in the church of, of Corinth were committing such grave sins that <laughs> unbelievers were even healing them that, <laughs> wow, I dare you, they motivate me. <laughs> <laughs> They were even telling them that Omar, we know who do pass this one. No? Imagine a guy was sleeping with his mother's, with his father's wife. So he was sleeping with his stepmother. 
But what did Paul do? How did he address this issue? First Corinthians 6 from verse 19 to 20. First Corinthians 6 from verse 19 to 20. It says, do you know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? It says, you are not your own, for you have been bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. This is how Paul responded to somebody that was in sin. Yes, there was some follow-up action. The guy had to be excommunicated from the church for a while so that he will not influence the other flock. That is wisdom, right? But what he did was show the guy, the person, his identity, who he is. He didn't say, ah, sorry, now if I, uh, I wash my hands clean, there's nothing I can do. Uh, at this point, it's only you and God. Well, you can sow a dangerous seed. <laughs> but <laughs> that's, <laughs> say none of that. Say none of that. He reminded him, he said, know ye not. KJV, you said, know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. He says, you are not your own. Having that consciousness that you are not your own. That you are not your own. So that's, that's the first thing, growing knowledge. Once you know who you are, you are more likely to act like who you are. Hallelujah. Like my pastor would always say, you, what's the, what's the, what's the phrase again? Oh, no, 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 I can't forget. Uh, it will not matter what you have if you don't know what you have or if you don't know that you have it. It will not matter. So it's important to know who you are in Christ. That's the first thing, knowledge. Knowledge. Glory to God. Knowledge. And number two. Number two, how do I live out my nature in Christ? How do I live above sin? First of all, knowledge. Knowing that you are already dead to sin. That's what we see in Romans 6, what we discussed. Romans 6 says you are dead to sin. Hallelujah. So. Number one, growing knowledge of God. Number two, flee. Flee. Run away. Like literally run. The Bible is emphatic about that. Second Timothy 2 from verse 22. It says, Second Timothy 2 from verse 22. It says, flee from youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Number two, flee. And listen, there's no one else that embodied this verse like Joseph. Joseph in, in, in Genesis 39 from verse six to 12. I'll just breeze through this. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administration, administrative ability over everything he owned. I'm reading for the NLT. It says with Joseph, with Joseph there, Potiphar didn't have anything to uh, didn't have, didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Now, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built um, young man and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. She told him, come and sleep with me. He de she demanded, imagine. He says, but Joseph refused. He said, look, he told her, my master trusts me 
and everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It will, it will be a great sin against God. You see, but she kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day. But he refused to sleep with her and he kept out of her way as much as possible. He says one day, however, no one else was around when he went in, when he went in to do his work, she came and grabbed him. When temptation grabbed you, <laughs> came to grab him by the cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me now. Joseph tore, he tore himself away. He left the cloak around. There's so much to learn from this. First of all, when temptation hits you, you are hardly thinking. You know, you are not seeing clearly. You just want to fulfill the desires, the burning in your heart, the, the, the passion. <laughs> you just want to fulfill it. But one thing we see here is that Joseph reasoned this. He said, ah, I, I can't, you know, my master has given me authority over everything except you. He says, I cannot do this great evil to my master and sin against God. Mind you, at this time, the law was not given. The law was not given. That is the 10 commandments they weren't given. Hallelujah. But that's by the way. That's important, but that's by the way for now. So um, we see that he stopped to think. That's one other, one other important thing under flee. He stopped to think. And he was like, and immediately he started reasoning. That thought just left. Immediately he started talking. He talked out. He didn't just think it in, in his head. He didn't just think it in his head because my, my pastor will always say that you fight thoughts with words, not thoughts with thoughts. So we see it that he spoke out. He spoke out. Very, very important. And then he said, another thing to note is that kept, the temptation kept coming. The temptation kept coming, right? But he got to a point. He said, you know what? If you hold my clothes, I will leave it for you and run. <laughs> I will leave it for you and run. It's the, it's the, take the clothes. Don't worry. Don't worry. I rather forsake all the benefits. I rather forsake it. That the name of the Lord will be glorified. Because every time, one thing we learn, we see from, from um, Romans 6, it talks about how that we cannot go on sinning because we are dead to sin. And that Jesus is raised from the dead. And Jesus is raised from the dead, so we cannot go on sinning. So when you overcome temptation, right, you are proving the resurrection of Christ. You are proving that Jesus is raised from the dead. It is that deep. You are proving that Jesus is raised from the dead. Hallelujah. So if it keeps coming, no matter the consequences, Leave your cloth and run. 
leave your clothes and run. Hallelujah. Very, very important. Number one, grow on, on how to live out your nature, how to live above sin. Grow in the knowledge of who you are. Number two, flee. Flee, like literally run. Number three, control your environment. Control your environment. What do you listen to? Where do you go? What company do you keep? What do you watch? These things are very important. Very, very important. How long do you spend on Instagram? Because uh, there's so much, there's so much perversion in the world, this world that we live in. Like you can look just on your own. Next thing you come and start seeing some interesting things. <laughs> so it's important to control your environment. And the devil tries to make you feel like you have no control. But that's not true. That's not true. You can control your environment. You can control your environment. You let the, Bible says, let the word of God dwell richly in you. You can let the word dwell, word of God dwell richly in you. That it begins to rule the affairs of your life. It begins to rule your affairs. The people you hang around with, the, the places you go, what you watch, the kind of music you listen to. These things are so important because listen, have you ever been in a situation where you are going through heartbreak and you are, you not go and listen to which, which artist can I think about? Uh, maybe you listen to, I don't know, Give me an example. Sam Smith. <laughs> what? Sam Smith. Listen to Sam Smith. You now go and listen to that kind of song. There's no way you can be better. There's no way. <laughs> There's no way. So songs like that, they influence your emotions. Movies too are powerful. Have you ever watched a superhero movie and then all of a sudden you feel like you can shoot up webs or, or you, can, you can start throwing rope like Wonder Woman or, or you can be like, let me know you superhero movies, like I really love Sherlock Holmes. So, or you can, you, you just start deducing, you know, um, you start feeling, trying to solve every case. My barrel fell down. Hmm. So, it was on the table. Hmm. So, last time I left. Hmm. So, the, the, the eyes of the elephant is in the tortoise. So when the tortoise came, he brought forth joy, you know? So, <laughs> you know, uh, and then you start feeling like, oh, you watch Vampire Diaries. And then all of a sudden, you feel like your senses are heightened. <laughs> you see, these things are powerful. And now there is no movie that you won't see a homosexual character or a gay person. To the point where now, when you see them, you're like, ah, don't fight now. Praise God. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, so you're not like, ah, you guys don't fight now. Or, you know, they hug and you say, oh, and all of that. And then it, this thing has suddenly become normal to you. Ah, that is a sign that, hey, 
hey, your spirit, you are not healthy. <laughs> you, need, you need to go and feed on the word of God. You need to fast from this type of movies, this type of shows. Hallelujah. So this is very important. Control your environment. Control your environment. The last one is speak out. Speak out. Confess the word of God. Profess the word of God. Right? Declare the word of God in those situations. Right? Okay, this is second to the last. So declare the word of God. Declare the word of God in those situations. Don't just stay there and say, I overcome, I overcome in your mind. You know, like I said, you don't fight thoughts, thoughts with thoughts, you fight thoughts with words. So you speak out like Jesus did when he was tempted um, by the devil. When he went to fight, imagine, he went, man of God, went to go and fast 40 days, 40 nights. The devil still met him there. He still met him there. Like, hey, bro. <laughs> uh, in fact, have you, have you noticed that is when you are, when you are fasting or when you are preparing for something spiritual, that temptation will come. Where maybe an ex that you have not spoken to in years comes to come and send me a message that, hi, how are you doing? I just thought to check up on you. <laughs> Keep your thought to yourself, sir. <laughs> Keep your thought to yourself, man. I know, dude. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> so, but what did Jesus do? Jesus told the devil, he spoke the word of God to him. He said, do not tempt the Lord your God. Do not tempt the Lord your God. And the devil too was still trying. You know, about this one. Jesus came back again, spoke the word of God. So, and he spoke out because how would people have known that um, there was something going on if he didn't speak out? Right? So the devil said, oh, I, you know, um, take, I, I, this is the, he took him to a high, high mountain and said, showed him the, the, all the nations of the world. And he said, just bow down to me and I'll give all this to you. And all of that, right? So very important, confess, declare the word of God over your life. Declare the word of God. And lastly, be accountable, be accountable. And accountability is something that is very, very, very important. And you know, James five talks about how that we should confess our sins to one another confess our faults to one another pray for one another that you may be healed you see so um is that is talking about being accountable have people that you can be accountable to because we have not been called to we're not born in christ to be a body we've been born into a body hallelujah and you see god's body God's system of, part of God's system of accountability is in the body. It's in the body of Christ, right? And that usually, that usually seems like a difficult thing to do because um, sadly, uh, the place where you are meant to feel like home would, you know, sometimes becomes a place that is so hostile, right? But in your accountability, you're accountable to somebody that you can trust, somebody that you can 
that you know her sense, basically. <laughs> that you know her sense. is mature enough and someone, you know, and, and feel with the spirit, mature enough and feel with the spirit that will call you out, right? Correct you in love, but importantly, correct you. That will pray with you. So this is so, 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 so important. So let's just, let's just thank God. Uh, because of time, I'll just round up with, with um, um, little words of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word. Uh, your word is all-encompassing. We thank you for your word is truth. We thank you because we are not just hearers of your word, but we are doers also. We are doers also. And thank you, Father, because, yes, we live out our nature. And anything that is inconsistent, any inconsistencies that have been thriving in our lives, in the name of Jesus, I declare that let all those weights be falling off. In the name of Jesus, let them begin to fall off. Let our eyes be fixed on you. Let our gaze be set on you. That we, that your glory continues to shine in and through us. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. For we are a blessing to our generation. We are a blessing to our generation. And thank you, Father, because we grow in a deeper understanding of your love, of your grace, and of who we are. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty, precious name, we have prayed. Thank you for listening. Don't stop here. There is much more to keep your heart lit. And if you would like to join this group, send a direct message on Instagram to at Kelechi Oji. K-E-L-E-C-H-I-O-G. Thank you.